Imagine that you see so many doctors and nobody knows what's wrong with you. You have chronic pain in your neck, in your eyes, in your ears, in your brain. It is so debilitating and the doctors don't know what's wrong with you. people when they're in this ongoing state of illness uncertainty. In this episode, we're going to look for some of the answers about how living in chronic or persistent pain impacts our lives. Maddie Gravel recently graduated from Queen's University where she researched illness uncertainty. She even won a couple of awards for it. She's excited to be returning there as a master's student in the fall, and she joins us today from Brampton, Ontario. Maddie, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and for being one of our listeners. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. How did you become interested in Lyme disease research? Well, actually, it's a little bit of a funny story. So I was starting my honors thesis, which is essentially a big fourth year project uh, in your undergraduate degree at Queen's. And originally my thesis supervisor, Dr. Dean Tripp, he does a lot of work in chronic pain and specifically in uh, prostate cancer. So I thought that I was going to be doing research in cancer and, and looking at kind of similar concepts of illness uncertainty and, and things like that in that context. But I was talking to my mom and she happens to live with both uh, cancer and chronic Lyme, and she has for a pretty long time now. And we were talking about how a lot of the uh, psychological constructs that I was thinking of, like illness uncertainty and depressive symptoms and coping styles and things like that, were actually harder for her to manage with her chronic Lyme than it was uh, for her in her cancer uh, journey. So that got me thinking about how there really isn't a lot of psychological research in Lyme. Um, and there seemed to be a pretty big gap that needed to be filled. So that's kind of how I ended up on this journey. And I'm really excited to continue exploring this avenue and contributing to our understanding of how Lyme impacts us um, and our mental wellness. Can you tell our listeners what is illness uncertainty? So when a patient uh, lives with a chronic illness, especially um, in the Lyme context, being a contested illness, so something that uh, people kind of debate the existence of it, uh, a patient can experience a lot of uncertainty regarding their diagnosis or their prognosis, so what their outcomes will be like. And there is this theory called Michelle's illness uncertainty theory, and it kind of explains this construct in four different aspects. So you can have a lack of diagnostic information which a lot of people with chronic Lyme experience. There's a lot of ambiguity. Again, Lyme can be quite heterogeneous in how it presents in different people, can be unpredictable. So Lyme, especially chronic Lyme, having that kind of cyclical but not consistent pattern of symptom reactivation and complex healthcare experiences, which obviously a lot of people with chronic Lyme experience too. So when you look at the results of your study, what did you find most interesting? Um, I think for me, what really stood out was the contrast between the patterns of associations that we found between um, illness, uncertainty, and depressive outcomes 
as it, the relationship goes through um, perceived believability and social support. So kind of a lot of the chronic uh, illness literature focuses on this general concept of social support where like, are you getting enough kind of um, mental support from your friends or your family or your doctors in the context of illness? But what we really wanted to get at, which we thought was really particularly pertinent in the Lyme context was, are these patients being believed by the people in their lives, especially their healthcare practitioners? Because we do hear a lot of anecdotal um, stories about patients um, going to healthcare practitioners and not being um, addressed in the way that they would like to be addressed, especially if they're not presenting with the kind of like, quote unquote, classic symptoms of Lyme, like the rash and flu-like symptoms and things like that. So what we saw was that the general level of social support was not significant in that relationship between illness uncertainty and depressive outcomes, but perceived believability was. So this shows us that the way that we're approaching um, this concept of social support in our scientific research really needs to be more nuanced uh, than we're classically approaching it, especially in the context of Lyme or other kind of chronic contested illnesses like fibromyalgia. I uh, hear some future uh, research available for you there. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. We're very excited about where this could go Abs in the future. Absolutely. Were you surprised that many of the participants in the study had visited four or more physicians? No, no. And I think that um, a lot of my perspective does come from what I've seen with my mom um, a lot and her showing me that a lot of other patients um, especially in Canada, go to the States for medical treatment. They go to Germany to get um, more effective testing done. Um, so it really didn't surprise me, especially when we see that um, potentially the level of familiarity in Canada with Lyme disease, because it wasn't uh, what's called nationally notifiable. So essentially like recognized by the government until 2009. Um, obviously Lyme disease existed be here before then. It wasn't at a level that required this kind of monitoring from the government. Now we're seeing with climate change as the um, habitats that the ticks can live in become more habitable up in Canada where it used to be colder. We're seeing the incidence of Lyme get greater uh, because the ticks are moving northward. And are you seeing, so, I, I understand you had international participants in your study. Are you seeing any geographic differentiations in your results? Um, not That wasn't of particular interest in this study. Future research that I'll be doing uh, with the MyLime group at Queen's will be looking into that. So stay tuned. <laughs> okay. Now, I might butcher this word. I've been trying to practice it. But what is pain catastrophizing? Am I saying that right? And, yes. and how is it relevant to your research? Yeah, so pain catastrophizing can kind of be understood in three different um, things. We see um, rumination or thinking about your pain a lot. We see magnification or thinking about it so much that it feels physically worse or feeling helpless about your pain, um, which is relatively self-explanatory. So what we kind of, we kind of bring all that together into this concept of pain catastrophizing. 
And we do see a lot of um, discourse about the uh, usefulness of this term. And essentially, in the, the context of this study, what we mean is that when a patient, especially these patients who have been sick for at least two, if not five years, the majority of them, experiencing pain on a relatively daily basis, of course you're going to magnify about it and ruminate about it and feel helpless about it. It's a normative experience, but we want to make sure that we're capturing it in our um, in our research. And especially with our findings, we're seeing that it's related to illness uncertainty and it's also related to the relationship between illness uncertainty and depressive outcomes. So this tells us that it's important for the healthcare approach to Lyme include things like um, cognitive restructuring or um, other kind of psychological supports to help patients deal with their anxious feelings about their pain so that hopefully we can kind of mitigate this relationship between the amount of illness uncertainty they feel and their depressive outcomes. Yeah, I can certainly relate to um, the pain cat- catastrophizing and the three points that you made there. And I'd also be curious about, you know, what the physiological impact is there. And, you know, is there are there parts of the nervous system that are that are somehow related to that? Well, for sure. And we actually, um, not not in this study, but I know of previous research that finds that pain catastrophizing can actually be related to greater physiological um correlates of pain uh, in the in the brain. We do like activation studies using fMRI tech technology and we're seeing greater activation in these kind of pain networks. Um, so there is definitely a relationship between um, the mental interpretation of your pain and the physiological correlates of it. I'm really interested in the social aspect of pain and Lyme. Can you expand upon that? Uh, yeah. So if a patient is experiencing a lot of pain, obviously it's going to connect to their ability to function in their daily life. So if you're experiencing a lot of um, face pain or eye pain, for example, that day, and you just can't deal with going outside and interacting with people or being in a lot of light, and you just need to sit in a dark room and, and manage your symptoms, that's going to impact your social functioning, right? So we do see this correlation between uh, the kind of physical symptoms the patients are feeling and their ability to function socially. And these can have impacts for um, their psychological well-being. I remember when I was really sick and I actually used a pain app to track all my different symptoms and I could start seeing a pattern of days where I was having really bad days and it was nice to actually see that they were followed by pain days of less pain. Um, have you considered moving forward in that direction at all with your pain to help people see that brighter days are ahead? Yeah, that definitely um, we would love to get that that kind of data from multiple people would be an incredibly rich resource for us to kind of model and understand the relationship between pain and your psychological well-being. It is quite a big ask to ask people to to monitor their daily symptoms and record them, um, especially if their symptoms are quite severe that day. Um, But that would be like the ultimate study. (laughs) 
Absolutely. I mean, I just did that for myself, and that was sort of my own research I did on myself. But again, like I was saying, it really just helped me get through the bad days because I could see that, you know, I was maybe going to have three, four, five really bad days, and I would start feeling better. So that even just helped me psychologically to know that every day wasn't going to be as bad as the current one was. Yeah, for sure. Have you thought about where your research is going to take you in the fall as you go into your master's program? Uh, yeah. So we're really excited about the directions that we're going to be taking this. Um, when I go back to Queens, I'll be with uh, under the supervision of Dr. Tim Salomons in the Pain, Affect, and Cognition Lab. And we're part of a, a group called MyLime. And the goal of this group is, and it's a, a bunch of research labs from Queens, some from outside of Queens, and kind of our main goal is to start from patient stories and figure out how the biological symptoms and the biological correlates that we're seeing by analyzing ticks or the geographic distribution, how do we see what the patient is experiencing in the biological um, genetics of the ticks that are biting them or in the biological um, analysis of the patient themselves. Um, and we're really interested in seeing, like, essentially just like collecting patient stories and giving those um, kind of weight in this symptom clustering analysis. So we're trying to see whether people who are bitten in uh, similar regions are experiencing XYZ symptoms as compared to somebody who's bitten somewhere else and experiencing this cluster of symptoms. So kind of shedding some light on the heterogeneity of Lyme and um, potentially improving the prognosis of people who don't present in the typical um, fashion so that they can receive antibiotics more quickly than they probably normally would. Um, so just like informing clinical decisions based on this kind of symptom clustering analysis. Oh, I'm so thankful for, for the research that you're doing. It sounds so important. Do you have any other closing comments? Um, I don't think so. Thank you so much for having me on today. I really appreciate the platform to share our findings and hopefully we'll have some more um, findings to share in the future. Absolutely. Well, have fun going back to Queens. I am a grad from Queens from education, and my dad graduated oh, from nice. medicine there. So <laughs> our family knows Kingston well. So have fun doing your research, and thank you for sharing it. And it's really important work that you're doing, and I'm sure your mother is really proud and grateful that you're doing this research as well. Thank you. Maddie Gravel is continuing her research at Queen's University this fall. It was really interesting to learn from her about the mental interpretation of pain. Thank you, Maddie, for joining us. And that's another CanLime podcast. Remember, stay safe in the outdoors.